All right, everybody, it's uh, that time of the week again. The Sift Football Podcast is back, and this week we talked a lot about Week 5, the recap, and some games that stuck out to us. Then we talked about um, our power rankings for the NFL, and we touched on some daily fantasy and some other fantasy football stuff. And then we gave out our croutons, and you don't want to miss me not being able to name a defensive player in the NFL. So stay tuned for that. I hope you enjoy it. The SIF podcast, save it for the football podcast uh, for uh, week five and week six. We are going to recap week five and talk week six. I'm out in the garage. The weather is nice in the evening now, and um, I thought I'd take a little break out here. Also, as always, I want to welcome in the mayor. Mayor, how are you? I am doing pretty good uh, today, Professor. Thank you. It's another comfortable Wednesday evening on the couch, talking like I so said, talking about week five, week six. I got a a sift podcast surprise quiz for you today, and I'm looking forward to that a little bit. And um, I'm kind of still licking my wounds from my unafforded Christmas tree bet from the weekend. Yeah, bad times. Um... We can talk about that a little bit later, or we can not talk about it at all. It's up to you. Well, uh, you but... know, they, um, if, you, if you feel that the, the listeners must hear about the torture that I endured on Sunday, and, of course, watching the Dolphins destroy my beloved 49ers and my wife is a Dolphins fan, we can talk about that later. I think everything that needs to be said has been said. Um, I think we can uh, leave it there. Um, I, we do have to talk about Dak Prescott. So I wanted to talk about that Giants Dallas game. Um, so Dak Prescott, obviously done for the year. Uh, hopefully he can come back at some point, but it is a very serious injury. Um, what are your, what are your initial thoughts? I think you said, um, we saved it for the podcast, but, uh, you did, you did message me that, um, you didn't see the injury and you didn't want to. Did you manage to avoid seeing that injury? No, because um, as I was watching some football on Sunday through DirecTV, the Sunday ticket, they, um, you know, they always cut in with the highlights from other games. And I, I didn't see the full extent of it, but there were, you know, his, his ankle was in a direction it shouldn't. And, you know, hopefully he's on, on his way to a speedy recovery. And it just, you know, th- this ex- this is exactly why players should do whatever they have to do to get whatever they can get, whatever they can get it when it comes to their contract, whether it be hold out where it looks like they're really greedy or something like that. You know, Dak could be, you know, this this could be Dak's career for all we know, and he's he may be left out with a little bit of cushion for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, it's a that's you know. That's obviously not what what's on his mind when he's uh, getting carted off in that much pain, but um, but yeah, I, I, it is why they you know players do uh, you know in this case he said he was betting on himself and he did and uh, but of course these kinds of things happen and 
it's uh it's a it's a disaster for him i think um but hopefully uh there's a redemption story um even better than the alex smith one which is uh pretty amazing but it uh could be something similar to that um all right so do you have anything on the dallas in the uh and the uh, New York Giants game. You, you know, that just, <clears throat> it, it was a pretty good game. You know, it definitely got sidelined pretty quickly with that. Um, I think it just shows that really, you know, sometimes the, the balance of power with NFL teams isn't sometimes as far off as you think it is. Got a couple other examples of that earlier, you know, earlier this week with some of the games, just those teams that didn't look very, very good at all, you know, put up a pretty good fight against teams that you wouldn't really expect. Yeah, and um, the, and Dallas did obviously go on to win that game with a game-winning drive uh, led by Andy Dalton, but most mostly done uh, by the receivers, especially Michael Gallup along the sideline with two amazing catches. Um, so that team, I think, will be okay. Um you know, I don't know that anybody had them going to the Super Bowl and nobody has them going to the Super Bowl now. So um, they can win the division and um, probably be out the uh, second week of the playoffs. But, um, you know, it, it, they're, they're fundamentally their destiny this season probably hasn't changed much. Um, so really, it's it's uh, it's the destiny of Dak that uh, that's in limbo. So. I did want to move on to another game. Um, I wanted to talk about Las Vegas at Kansas City. Um, so I don't know if you got to see any of that game, but I did want to ask you if you thought that game was a fluke or if you think there's something wrong with Kansas City. You know, I mean, let, let's be honest here. I mean, it's very, very difficult to go undefeated in the NFL in the regular season. In fact, so difficult only – two teams have done it in the history and, you know, just, you know, it's a team, like, like I said, you know, those teams, you know, they're all professionals and they're all showing up to play and Kansas City's getting everybody's a game right now. And they will be till, you know, they're not Super Bowl champ reigning Super Bowl champions. And, you know, honestly, it doesn't surprise me too much. I, you know, I kind of expected um, Las Vegas to have a pretty decent season and, you know, you're always going to have a little bit up your sleeve against your division foe. But like I said, I think John Gruden's getting this team geared up and I give this, I give them more credit for the win than Kansas city for the loss. Okay. But I think we need to talk about Kansas city a little bit because Kansas city really could have lost that new England game. Uh, There were some really questionable things that went on uh, from a coaching standpoint, Bill Belichick obviously schemed up really well, but then, uh, they had a, a call that they, they really should have thrown a red flag on, and I don't know if he didn't see the, what was happening. but And then they obviously got very poor quarterback play, uh, the Patriots did, um, and they still kind of you know hung around, looked like they were in contention in that game. And then you go back to the Chargers game. I mean, Kansas City looked great against Baltimore, but they didn't look great against the rookie quarterback and the Chargers, so... I don't think this is a fluke. I think there are some fundamental problems. And I, you know, it. my fantasy team knows this very well, that um, Clyde Edwards Elayer is not exactly being used um, to his full ability in terms of product, production. And, um, 
you know, since week one, he really hasn't, uh, you know, broken out in, at all. And um, they're not using him as much in the passing game. You know, his and his rushing has been limited. He hasn't been breaking tackles. They're not setting things up for him. So I think there are some issues in Kansas City. I'm not uh, we'll get to power rankings later. And uh, I obviously don't have them too far down the list in the power rankings. But I do have them slipping from number one. And because I just. I don't know that you could trust this team um, the, the way that they've been very close to some teams that they it seemed like they should beat um, pretty badly. So I, I don't trust Kansas City as much as I did going into the season um, anymore. Uh, but let's move on. Um, there is a, a game I wanted to talk about. I didn't see the end of it. I It was Minnesota at Seattle. Minnesota had the ball, I think, five-yard line, fourth and inches, um, I walked away from the TV. I thought, you know, Minnesota obviously won this game. They're obviously going to kick the field goal. Uh, that will put them up by eight. Russell Wilson gets the ball back with two minutes. He might, he might have driven down the field and scored a touchdown, but I really doubt he would have gotten the two point conversion. So I think Minnesota won that game, but I didn't check the score. Uh, is that what happened in that game? Yeah, um, no that oh. that guy that that guy that um has just yet another fourth quarter comeback um, came back and you know ended up staying undefeated. Wow, I sh- I should have uh, yeah. I shouldn't have uh, walked away from the TV right when I did. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I actually thought to myself, um, this is exactly what's going to happen. I. I saw them going for it on fourth and not getting it and making it easy for Russell Wilson, who does this seemingly every other week, if not more often than that, uh, to drive down the field. And all he needed was a touchdown. Um, people have been talking about this all week, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse. Uh, you know, if they kicked the field goal and missed it, that would have been the wrong call. Um, but it, Here's the problem. So, you know, people say, well, the the numbers say, you know, the odds say, the percentages say you should go for it in that situation. That's your most your best chance of winning is to go for it. Don't don't give him the ball back. But you still have to get the fourth down and inches in order for that to happen. Um, And uh, another problem with this play and this I had a problem with this similar uh, situation when. when Cam Newton was uh, uh, threatening to beat the Seattle Seahawks, um, when the Patriots decided to just run Cam into the line, um, the problem is is that when Seattle knows you're going to do that, they can stop it. And just about any team can stop uh, a run if they know it's coming. So um, not having any other play, uh, they had a pretty good chance of stopping that one. I just don't get the philosophy of, you know, if you're going to go for it on fourth and inches with the game on the line, or you're going for the touchdown with the game on the line, you got to have two plays. There got to be, there has to be two options at least. Um, the defense, the, the interior defensive linemen, the linebackers, if they know you're running it up the middle, um, if, you're not going to get it. They're just going to stop you. I don't, I honestly don't understand this. Um, this, uh, it's very overconfident to think that you can just run the ball straight at a team and very disrespectful to their 
front seven that uh, you think you can just run straight at them and get any amount uh, of yardage uh, you want. I, I just I think it's insane. If you have another play where they have to account for it, you know, they're, they're, then it's a different situation. But if a team knows what you're going to do, 95% of the time they can stop it. So that's where the percentages come in for me. I just think uh, you kick the field goal with Dan Bailey. Now you make Russell Wilson drive the field, get the two-point conversion, which they failed to do, by the way. Um, we saw it actually play out that way. So uh, I just I thought it was a terrible, terrible decision. And obviously, if it had worked, nobody would talk about it. I know it's one of those things, but, um, but I, I didn't like the call. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on that? You know what's amazing is you go back to um, that that infamous play in the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch on the two-yard line, and the one thing they didn't do is run the ball right at the throat of the New England d- defense, and you know he and Pete Carroll's still getting roasted for that decision since he made it, and the exact opposite happened here where, you know, it just it's ironic the way football works and it's just you know sometimes i mean you could replay it a hundred times and you know it would probably happen at, you know 50 50 every time so it just you, you know it's uh, i think i think it's more important to try to get whatever you can when you can get it whether it be one extra yard or one extra field goal or i think it's you know the, not giving the ball back to the other team is so prevalent now in the NFL that it just look, look what happens every time. Well, now I, I, that's, that brings up another philosophical question though. Okay. Um, I think you could do this if the quarterback on the other side is Kyle Allen. Um, you could, you would, you would, in that case, you might kick the field goal, right? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm going. I think I'm going to go for that one yard every time, um, because you know, the, then you have the potential of just keep it, keeping the win, winning the game right then and there. You know, a couple plays later, I, I think that's still the better play. I just here's my thing. I think there's a few guys you can't give the ball back to, so I, I understand the philosophy of trying to get that extra inches to not give them the ball back. But you also, if you give them the ball back, you're going to lose. Like, there are certain guys where if that, does, if that play doesn't work, you're automatically done. You're done. All right? So they get stuffed on the fourth and inches. They're done. I, I could have told you exactly what was going to happen. The Seahawks were going to easily drive down the field and score a touchdown. I mean, it was, it was already done before, before the, they even marked him completely down and gave the ball back to the Seahawks. I could have told you exactly what was going to happen. So uh, my just my thought is, like, it's so, so much harder for a quarterback to go down, score a touchdown, and have to do that conversion on the two points. And by the way, you wouldn't lose the game there. You'd be tied. So I, I just – I don't – I just – I disagree with it. Um, I see where it would work in some situations. I didn't like the call there at all. Uh, but we do have to move on because this podcast is not just about uh, me hating on the Minnesota play calling, um, although I could probably spend more time on it. Um, I, but that brings up the uh, the other part of this segment, which is um, 
Mike Zimmer has definitely made my uh, pepper spray trio. Um, the, he's part of the pepper spray bandits this week. I just thought um, terrible call. I could have told you exactly what was going to happen when he made that call in there and they ran it into the line. Um, do you have anybody that you'd like to uh, put on the pepper spray bandits list this week? Yeah, you, you know, um, there were a couple people. I was, you know, Dan Quinn almost won the award for three weeks in a row by the fact that he is finally finished in Atlanta is, you know, is a finally a sign of the times that things are changing. And very quickly, a question on that. Do you think if Dan Quinn had won the Super Bowl that year that he blew that unexcusable lead, do you think he would have been able to finish out the season before they were firing him, or do you think it still would have been a firing right this I week? I think you're right that that would have bought him an extra – it might have bought him an extra few weeks. It might even have bought him an entire season. Um, it's interesting to think of it that way, but I think that the way that it played out, um, it wasn't like the offense sputtered and you know they lost, uh, they lost a bunch of games because they – you know, Julio Jones was injured. They they lost games by giving away huge leads, and um, that's what happened in the Super Bowl. So just for, for his defense to do that after they did what they did in the Super Bowl, I think that is partially the reason why he got fired. Um, but I think it was going to happen anyway. Um, he, he, he Your question is interesting because I think, you know, he probably would have lost his job after they didn't make the playoffs this year. Um, if he had won the Super Bowl, but um, but yeah, just the fact that it, the, their season is playing out the same way that Super Bowl played out is is um a good enough reason for him to be gone at this point. Right. Yeah. So my my pepper spray bandit this week is um Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know he he was on top of the world a few years ago with the Killer Bees in Pittsburgh, and just. It, it just seemed to have too many um, character issues and even teammate issues. And, you know, he left there and I didn't real I didn't realize what a pepper bandit he was for the week. And I was describing to my wife, Le'Veon Bell and what happened. And she's not, you know, she's not very knowledgeable around the game of football, which I, I don't blame her fault her for that. But uh, when I told her who Le'Veon Bell was, she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? If you get cut from the jets, that's a good point. The uh, the ageless one, Frank Gore, is now there starting running back um, at the age of 47, I believe. Um, yeah, I know. And I, I'm going to stay with the Jets on that. Um, Adam Gase is my uh, other pick for the pepper spray bandits. Um, I, is he part of the plan to get uh, Trevor? Is that the uh, is Adam Gase going to be the coach there all year? so that they can make sure they get the number one pick again. Yeah. You know, that's fascinating. I mean, it, I mean, at this point, I mean, you know, firing a coach mid season is just really sending a message to the team, the players that are going to be there, you know, that, Hey, listen, we understand this guy's a problem. He's not going to be with us. Let's move on. Let's move on and start preparing for next season. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, the, who's ever trying for Trevor right now is it's going to happen for a team that least expects it. And, you know, I mean, 
you know, don't forget the Houston's still going to get a couple of top picks and they gave them away to, I'm sorry, they gave them away to Miami and Houston is definitely not going to be trading, you know, or drafting, um, drafting Trevor. They're going to stick with Watson. So they may be able to leverage, they may be able to leverage that and get a little bit of juice back for them for this upcoming season. So I think Gase is just, it's just inevitable at this point that he's going to be fired. I don't think it's really your theory of trying for Trevor. All right. Well, who um, who do you think is going to get Trevor? Do you think uh, you have a uh, an idea, an inkling at this point? I know it's early, but um, if it's not the Jets, do you have another candidate for who's going to be looking for that number one pick? Yeah, you, you know that's. I mean, that's a great question. I haven't really given it a lot of thought. Um, I, I think you know. You know, teams like, you know, he his career-threatening if he goes to the Jets or goes to Jacksonville. You know, I mean, I think he's going to be a great talent in the NFL, but how many how many generational talent quarterbacks have gone somewhere and truly turned around a franchise to where they've been able to build a franchise around him and just pulled the, you know, franchise out of the depths of um, – out of the depths of the basement. And, you know, I just don't see the Jets doing that. Um, But I I think Atlanta might be a real possibility for Trevor, to be honest. You know, they're doing pretty poorly. And I think that that could be probably a strong possibility right now. Yeah, I I guess Atlanta could be in there. Um, The Giants are in the mix. Um, You know, but they've got their quarterback, I think. They're they're still probably going to hang on with – Daniel Jones, I think, for a little while. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the Washington football team might be in there um, in the mix for that as well. Um, all right, well, uh, well, we'll speculate on that uh, later on in the season when it gets closer to uh, the time when we know teams are tanking a little bit because they're, they're vying for that number one pick. Um, what about a Got Ham Player of the Week? Something positive. We need something positive on this podcast. Yeah. So my my Got Ham pos- my Got Ham Player of the Week is um, Derek Henry. Um, if you haven't seen that that stiff arm yeah. that he laid on Josh Storman yet, I mean, yeah. I, I recommend everyone go and watch that play and watch that play multiple times. And to think that Josh Norman is not a small man, he was horizontal at one point while trying to block Derrick Henry and it, he did not succeed. And he has just been posterized like Derrick Henry has done to so many people in yeah, his career. Josh Norman obviously passed his prime, um, but still a very good NFL player. And in his heyday was one of the best uh, corners in the league um, and knows how to tackle. Uh, but he could not. Uh, he could not do anything there against Derrick Henry. And as you said, he was uh, horizontal at one point um, in the air. So, a very uh, definitely uh, recommend uh, second that recommendation on uh, watching that play if you haven't seen that yet. Um, all right, um, we are going to do power rankings, um, but I don't know if you want to take a break and come back and do that. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a quick break and hear from a couple of our sponsors and we'll go All from right, there. We'll be right back after this. Domino's Pizza. 
Download the Domino's Pizza app today. Order curbside pickup or contactless delivery. Try our delicious handmade pan pizza with all of your favorite toppings or an order of stuffed cheesy bread, specialty chicken like the crispy bacon tomato or your favorite order of wings. Try your order on the Domino's Pizza Tracker. Get a notification when the delivery driver is two minutes away. Earn points with Piece of the Pie rewards and earn your way towards a free pizza. Download and place your order today. Back with uh, power rankings, we are going to talk about fantasy football a little bit in this segment, but we're going to start with power rankings in the NFL. Um, so you kind of, we, we've talked about this before, but you kind of sprung this on me uh, with about T-minus 15 minutes to go until podcast time. So um, I quickly threw together my eight, um, but I'm going to let you go first because uh, it, it was uh, your idea to do the segment, I believe. So. Uh, we'll see how much we agree on these eight teams. Well, you, you know, I think I gave you a little more than fifteen minutes for this podcast, right, it felt like and I mean, minutes. okay, so <laughs> I think we're both going to be in agreement this week. And you message, you know, we talked a little earlier in the week. I think um, the team that's at the head of the power rankings right now is Green Bay, and they didn't even play this week. Uh, they they look like they're going to be able to handle any team defensively and just, you know, light them up on offense. Aaron Rodgers is going to have that team ready to go. I got them at my number one spot. Um, right now I have Seattle at my number two spot, but that's going to be, you know, I'm going to have an asterisk too because their defense is, their defense is not necessarily um, been stellar this year. In fact, they've been downright awful, but they have Russell Wilson and, you know, part of the power rankings and part of your team is the ability to win football games. And Russell Wilson has certainly proven he can do that. Um, Casey, I have in my number three spot. I'm going to go a little quicker here. And I have Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Buffalo, the Los Angeles Rams, and Cleveland rounding out the top eight. I think all of these teams that at the bottom half, Buffalo, Rams, and Cleveland, I think they are um, – making significant strides, and they're showing they may be contenders in the playoffs. All right. We, we're a little bit different. Um, I have Green Bay 1. I have Kansas City still at 2. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to be a rush, rush to. I mean, I, I definitely reserve judgment to, to change this next week if the, if the Chiefs still look like they've got something wrong with their offense. But um, – but I'm going to stick with them at two. I'm just thinking of teams that I trust the most. And I still think I trust Kansas city just a little bit more than Seattle, even though Russell Wilson seems to bring them back every week. I feel like that magic has to, has to run out at some point. Um, so I've got Kansas city two, Seattle three. I've got Baltimore at four. And then we have a lot of similarities, five through eight. I've got Tennessee at five though. I've got, um, the Buffalo Bills at six. I've got the L.A. Rams at seven, and this is the one we disagree on. I've got New Orleans um, on my power ranking still above um, Cleveland, and I feel like maybe it's just because I'm holding on to that hope that they're going to be that Super Bowl team that I picked at the beginning of the year. Um, but they got a big win this week, and... Um, I think they're going to get Michael Thomas back. I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be a top eight team uh, the rest of the way. 
Yeah, um, I, I think they're, you know, them in Cleveland, I think, you know, there's a great argument for uh, the eighth spot in that case. And I think uh, Michael Thomas is going to be a hot commodity in the off season, where I think he is going to be playing for a different football team after this year. Uh, what What about Pittsburgh? Where do you Where do you stand on Pittsburgh? I I have them at the fourth in my power ranking, and our our six, seven, or five, six, and seven all actually agreed with Tennessee, Buffalo, yeah, and the Rams. Okay. I don't have Baltimore necessarily in my top eight right now. I think I'm doing a little bit of forward projecting maybe i think um lamar is starting to have a little bit of troubles at the quarterback position i, I think that um the, the teams in the division form quickly and i think they're gonna overtake them all right um well those are our power rankings for uh after week five so maybe we'll re- revisit this at week 10 uh or after week 10 and uh or we can keep a daily or a weekly a weekly uh power ranking i don't know which whichever you want to do um i think it might be good to check in maybe in a few weeks and not every week um because i think some teams will drop out for each of us um if we wait about three or four weeks um whereas every week there might not be that much change um week to week um all right so yeah i I agree with you anything else on the nfl before we just talk briefly about fantasy yeah, so just a couple um, – I've got a little quiz for you. Do you want to squeeze that in towards the end, or do you want to fire with that right uh, now? Let's save that to the end because then we, we can kind of, uh, you know, play around with that um, and we can go on as long as we needed to because um, it might take some time. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, well, let's save that for the end and let's go to daily uh, and, and daily fantasy and regular fantasy, week uh, year-long fantasy. Um, so – uh, your team, I know you told me in the other league that you're in, you had Dak as your quarterback. I have Dak in our league. Um, you know, he was one of the reasons, maybe the top reason why I um, had gotten any wins this week or this year. Um, I had some other injuries, but there's been injuries to everybody. Um, but Dak was the one who was kind of keeping my team afloat. I don't know what's going to happen going forward, but I look at it this way. He was my fifth round pick and he got me through five weeks. And uh, right as it stands now, I'm in fourth place in the playoffs and all that. So um, I just got to figure out what to do with the future. Uh, what are your thinking uh, thoughts about uh, Dak Prescott and fantasy? Uh, well, he, um, you know, like I said, he did really well for a lot of people, but this is where, you know, it's time to hit up, hit up that waiver wire and pick up that player on your team. And I was, you know, just looking at my notes today, and I have been dead last right now in our fantasy league, have not won a single a single matchup. Uh, my team, you know, for as good as it looked in the beginning, I just they have had absolute struggle after struggle, and they're just not putting up the points that they need to to win in fantasy football. And I'm matched up against you this week, Professor, and I was hoping you had forgot to notice that Dak Prescott was still your in your starting lineup. And um, it, it appears that you have not forgotten that. So um, it, that projection of you winning is just going to take you over the edge when you 
fill in your backup quarterback, whoever you may choose. Yeah, the uh, the waiver is tonight, uh, whatever morning time in the morning, midnight, whatever it is. Um, so I've, I'm trying to pick up some people off the waiver. I don't know who's going to still be there. Um, but, uh, you know, there'll be somebody to plug in there. Um, might be Kyle Allen. Um, but I'll, I'll think of something. Um, uh, so, you know, we could, we could make a trade right here. If, if we needed to on the Sif podcast, that would, be, would a be a first, but, uh, who, who would you like on my team is what I want to know. Well, you know, you've got a couple intriguing players, but I'm, you know, right now I'm kind of lacking in the um, running back department. It seems I'm not having very much luck with the running backs I have, and they don't seem I seem to be starting the wrong well, ones. Well, I, I I've um, got three but, good ones, but that's thin. I've only got the three. I've got Antonio Gibson, I've got Chris Carson, and I've got Clyde Edwards Elair, and um, I don't think I can part with any of those because I I'm going to need them all to get through my bye weeks. Um, so unfortunately, I don't think that's going to work. And then the other the option is maybe trading kickers because that would be a um, solid move. Yeah, my kicker's on a going to be on a buy this week, so that's another position I got to fix. Um, we can talk. I don't I don't know if that's going to work to be a live on the air uh, trade this week, um, unless you want to give me your quarterback. Well, I do have um, Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton on my. Um, on my team, and I think both of them are pretty good, and I, I would need a pretty good uh, piece of compensation to go for that because I need to, like I said, I am in last place, and I am in already of danger of getting eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, it's dire. It's a dire situation. Um, all right, we'll talk. I think we can uh, we can figure something out, but I don't know about on the podcast. Um, all right, so Daily Fantasy last week, my lineup, I had Fitzpatrick. He kind of went off, if you didn't notice. Um, he didn't have a 30-point game, but he had a very good game. I had Zeke. I had Josh Jacobs, who somehow did not break 10 points, even though he um, was on the winning side of a huge uh, Raiders-Chiefs game. Um, Allen Robinson was my first wide receiver. He did very well. But I went a little outside the box, and I picked Isaiah Ford uh, as, you know, I thought maybe sleeper candidate, contrarian play. Uh, he plays for the Dolphins. Um, he only got about seven points. Um, Preston Williams looked like he's uh, healthy and all the way back, and uh, so Isaiah Ford's not really worth anything anymore. Uh, Cobb, I had Randall Cobb, and I picked the wrong I picked the wrong Texans wide receiver because um, Brandon Cooks was the one I wanted to have, and uh, that didn't that did so Cobb didn't work out. I did get a good production from Mark Andrews. He had almost twenty points. Cole Beasley at the flex, he only had ten, close to eleven, but it was not bad. And then the LA Rams defense got eleven points this week uh, for a total of one hundred and twenty. It was not my best week. Um, I, I went out on a limb on too many of these picks, I think. Although the Josh Jacobs one still perplexes me. Um, do you have anything on daily fantasy from last week or fantasy football in general? Yeah, I, um, I, I kind of went with the uh, – I loaded up on the Dallas wide receiver lineup this week thinking that they were going to be able to shred the, um, shred the New York Giants and a bunch of terrible unforeseen circumstances happened. 
once again, I want to hope Dak gets a full and healthy recovery. And, you know, just the other players I tried to hit on just didn't hit. And I, I'm going to take a little different strategy this week. I, I've been watching this Yahoo thing, and I'm trying to understand the standings and, and this because I'm going to my weekly recaps. And three weeks I've scored over 110 points, and two weeks I've scored below 100. And they're both crossed out. So I don't know if this is like a best of five out of the 17 weeks. Do you know how that I works? I don't. I've never seen that. I, I have to look at it. Um, I looked at my lineup from last week today just to make sure I didn't win um, a bunch of money or something. But uh, I I didn't look back any farther than that this for the season. Yeah, and, and I started diving into the finer print on the rules, and I, I didn't really – come up with a lot so i'll i'll research that a little better for next week for all of our fans that may be listening and playing a lot well um this week i took a little different strategy um i decided that i think maybe going on a cheaper quarterback is not going to be the option so i definitely loaded up this week and i took aaron Rodgers, and i'm going to do a, a super stacking this week i'm going to go with that theory and see how that kind of helps me out. So I picked up Aaron Jones and Marquez Valdez Scantling. He really needs the nickname. Um, so I, I think Green Bay is going to have a pretty good showing against Tampa Bay. I think it's probably going to be a shootout. Green Bay probably win that game. Um, and then I also picked a stacking of Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams traveling into San Francisco. And I think uh, Miami – you know, really expose that secondary that is extremely beat up right now and playing on a lot of second stringers. And, you know, the, the backups just aren't nearly as good as the starters in almost every case in the NFL, and it's really starting to show in San Francisco. Um, I also picked up Brandon Cooks. I think he's going to get some good stats out of um, the game. Ronald Jones Jr. for Tampa Bay running back. And then I rounded it out with Chicago Bears defense. I had to, you know, cut back a little bit in price. Budget seemed to be used up pulling Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. So uh, I'm going to see how that works for me this week. All right, that sounds good. I, I, I've i gone with both theories this year. And, you know, you can have success either way. Um, you just need the things to break your way a little bit. Um, I'm going the opposite way, though. I'm going to go cheap on QB again. I'm, I'm, I've, I've joked about this, but I'm actually going to go Kyle Allen. Um, it looks like he's the starter. Obviously, if it changes, I'll have to make that change. But right now, it looks like they are going to start Kyle Allen. Um, he's going against the New York Giants, who uh, seem to give up lots and lots of yards to everybody. Um, and so I, I kind of like Kyle Allen this week. And then that gives me enough uh, money to uh, spend on Aaron Jones. I do like Aaron Jones this week. Um, I'm going to take Mike Davis, uh, who is, uh, what is he now? Eight tenths of Christian McCaffrey. He's, he's getting up there. Um, so he's having, he's having some success this year. And then I'm taking, uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson from the Vikings and stacking Terry McLaurin from the Washington football team. I'm going to take Robert Tanyan, who has exploded, uh, for, Green Bay, and probably a lot of people are going to start him, so it may not work out for me, but I'm going to try it, and I'm going to flex Jeff Smith, so you're probably sitting there saying, who's Jeff Smith? Is that what you're doing? 
I am certainly doing that. Who is Jeff Smith? He plays for the New York Jets, um, and he has gotten 20 targets over the last two weeks. Now, he has not done a lot with those 20 targets, but to me, at some point, when you're getting 10 targets a week, um, at some point, that's going to turn into something. So I'm taking a gamble on Jeff Smith. It's a contrarian play. But he he's getting he's getting some action, so we'll see what he can do with it. Um, and then I had enough left over to get the New England Patriots defense, who um, should be able to take care of Denver and their third string quarterback uh, Rippin, who Brett Rippin, who uh, who is most famous for being the nephew of former Washington Football Team uh, quarterback. Uh, Mark Rippon, who won a Super Bowl. So um, that's that's what I'm going with this week. Um, and we'll, uh, you know, I I think I could get back to the 130s, 140s, 150s with this lineup. So I'm I'm hopeful. Yeah. Um. Good. Best of luck to you. And we um, you know, we'll see whose strategy is going to work All best. Right, we'll this take week. a break and we'll come back with the Caesar side salad. Um croutons from last week and this week and then also you've got a pop quiz for me so that will be exciting for everyone we'll be right back after this so the caesar side salad um croutons from last week um first of all i wanted to talk about our our little uh, back and forth on buffalo um we both liked buffalo minus one last week um we thought there's no way uh the titans after being out uh for two weeks uh some of them being quarantined um not able to hold practices um there's no way they look sharp um, and this Buffalo team seemed to be rolling along quite nicely. So I assume that that bet worked out for us. Is that what happened? The Buffalo win that game? Yeah, no, um, there, there's someone named Josh Norman that got horizontal, and so did our um, croutons in that particular bet because Derrick Henry ate all of our croutons, and we didn't even Yeah, it was a close it. one. It was 42-16. to 16. Um we almost had that one, but, uh, you know, they slip through your fingers sometimes, these croutons. Um, and and I, I was looking at the stats from that game, and there's no one that even really stood out. Yes, Ryan Tannehill threw three touchdowns, but only on 190 yards passing. Now, I'm not trying to discount anything Ryan Tannehill did because three touchdowns is really impressive no matter who you are or who you're playing but the fact that they only did it 190 passing yards, it's like they, they won with nothing, but everybody contributed just a little bit, and you know turnovers will just absolutely kill an NFL I think team. that Buffalo team might have been out drinking the night before. They didn't look good at all. Uh, Josh Allen looked like um, – he, he looked like somebody had run him over. I wonder if he has COVID. I'm not, I'm not trying to be glib or make a joke. or Actually, I'm making a joke, but – I don't want to, I'm not trying to take it lightly, but he looked like he might have COVID. He, he didn't look good. Um, I, I kept looking at him like, what's, what's, he's different. Um, but I will say the takeaway for me from this game was actually, um, I've, you know, I've, 
we've watched Josh Allen these last few weeks, and um, you know, I now thought like going into the fourth quarter, they were down eighteen. I thought they could actually possibly come back. That's how much I've come around on Josh Allen. I I thought he he might have a comeback in him. Of course, it didn't work out. They did go down and score on their opening drive of the fourth quarter, but from there it was uh, it got even worse. So um, my takeaway was just I, I, I think I trust Josh Allen a little bit now, um, even though that didn't work out uh, this week. What, what was your takeaway from the game? Uh, you know, I didn't get to watch a lot of the game um, because I, I had a little bit of a, a work schedule blunder, but I was, you know, when I watched the highlights of the game and everything about it, I just – I was I was really impressed. Yeah, with Tennessee. yeah, Tennessee looked good. I I don't know how they did it, but they they came out sharp. It looked like they hadn't missed any time at all. Um, they were very good defensively. They were um, very disciplined, which is something the Buffalo Bills were not. They had lots of penalties. So um, yeah, kudos to Tennessee um, for busting that one up. That that game did move to three and a half. And I guess maybe there was a lot of public money coming in on the Bills. Everybody bet the Bills uh, just like we did. So, all right, let's move on. Um, my my one other uh, loss this week, um, I picked Carolina at Atlanta to score over 53 and a half. I thought this Carolina defense was young and Atlanta was playing for Dan Quinn's job. Now, maybe they didn't want him to have his job. So maybe that was overestimating things. Uh, but Atlanta did not come out and um, show up to that game. And Carolina took care of business, but it wasn't enough. Um, and I ended up not getting the over on that game. Um, my two wins, though, I, Arizona very easily took care of the Jets at the New York Jets, 30-10. to 10. That one um, was never in doubt. Uh, the one that was in doubt, I had Pittsburgh minus seven versus Philadelphia. And I didn't think I was going to win that one. Going into like the last few minutes, I think uh, I think Pittsburgh was up 31-29 and had the ball. I thought, you know, best case scenario, they go down, they probably kick a field goal, waste all the clock. But they actually went down and scored a touchdown and they held Philly off. And I did actually win that bet, uh, Pittsburgh minus seven. So I came out even for the week. But for the last three weeks, I'm nine and three against the spread. So uh, I'm still feeling pretty good about it. Uh, what about what, how was your week? So, you know, I, I, um, seeing we're having a gentleman's bet with our croutons courtesy of Caesar's palace and the official betting partner of the NFL. I, um, I woke up the, you know, I didn't get to watch the end of the Tampa Chicago game as we were doing our, our SIFT podcast live from last Thursday night. And, I looked and I had to. I wrote down the wrong thing. I thought I had won the bet till I started reviewing my notes just a few minutes ago. It turns out I lost that bet. I was I picked the over. The under was just barely missed, so I, I missed that one. Um, like we said, Buffalo minus one point seemed like a sure thing. Lost another fifty croutons there. However, my other three bets were very successful. The Pittsburgh-Philadelphia game, you know, at the 44-and-a-half, I picked the over. You know, they absolutely beat that. With I got 50 croutons. And the under in the Jacksonville-Houston game, anyone that thought they were scoring 52-and-a-half points, you know, haven't been paying attention very well. I nailed that for 50 croutons. And, of course, the 
pick you said that was going to be my lock of the week, Miami plus nine. It turns out it could have been San Francisco plus 27, and I still would have won that or still would have won that bet um, at 150 croutons. So my season total is up to 1,250. Yeah, that one that one was over early. Um and that one came in. So um, I think we're getting the hang of this uh, croutons thing. Uh, the fact that we both like that one so much. Um, let's get into week six quickly, and then uh, we'll do we'll do the pop quiz. Um, so for week six, um, this is a weird line, and and I think I know why it's a weird line. I I like Green Bay minus one and a half for fifty croutons. They're at Tampa. And it's because it's at Tampa, and there will be fans, and that's why they're giving some respect to the Bucks. Um, the uh, the Tampa Brady's who uh, need to need to remember what down it is. Um, why why would Green Bay be getting points to to anybody, let alone the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And just for full disclosure, I witnessed the the bet on our betting partner at minus one. So I think we can agree that we'll have the same line on yeah, that sure. game if you want to. Um, because I, I saw him at one point. You evidently saw him at one and a half. Sometimes it always right. depends on when you make the bet. Um, I would love to steal that extra half a point from you, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll do the gentleman. We'll just go with one. Yeah, here. let's just do the one. But I am going to lay 100 croutons on this game. I think this is going to be um, another one that just like a couple weeks ago against New Orleans, you kind of we both scratched our head looking at it like, is that possible? Why why are they getting points when they are clearly, you know, a, a very All good right, football so team? So we, we're both like that one. Um, I also like Miami again this week. Um, they're giving eight this time. Uh, to the New York Jets, I don't. I the New York Jets are not trying to win. Um, I Le'Veon Bell was one of their best players, but um, you know, I don't know that losing him makes much of a difference. But uh, um, I don't see this Miami team is actually legit. They're not tanking for anybody, so um, they're going to go out there and whip some tail i don't i don't see why they don't beat this jets team by 10 12 14 points so i like miami minus eight for 50 croutons um my other bet um chicago at carolina i like that to go over the 44 um chicago's not been great on offense carolina has been great on offense i think that carolina is going to force chicago uh to play a little bit uh more up tempo and uh, I think that's going to go over 44. Um, and then my last bet of the week, Dallas, uh, plus two and a half. They're um, uh, two and a half point underdogs uh, versus Arizona. That one's another one, uh, a seem- seemingly disrespectful line, uh, if you ask me. Uh, what do you think about those lines uh, and what are yours? Yeah, you know, I think you got some solid picks there. I, I can see where you're going with a couple of your bets, and I would say you're. If I had to give you a lock of the week, I would go with that Miami minus eight plus, for the Jets. Uh, yep. You said minus eight, I believe it was. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a good lock of the week for you if I had to recommend one bet whatsoever that you were picking. Um, I went a little different than you this week, though, however. Uh, Cleveland-Pittsburgh, the over-under set at 51. I think um, this is going to be a, a really great football game to watch. I mean, when's the last time we've been able to say that about Cleveland and Pittsburgh? Um, I think they're going to put on a show in 51 is going to be is going to be beaten. I'm laying 50 croutons down on that. And then I the Atlanta Minnesota game. I've got I've got two separate bets on this right now. I see the the over unders at 55. I don't think they're going to come close. I think we're going to be under that. I'm going to lay 50 croutons on that. And Minnesota's um, giving up three and a half points to Atlanta. Um, that's basically the hometown discount. Um, I think Minnesota is going to just far, you know, beat, beat Atlanta. And I think Atlanta is still just a football team that is a shell of it, of shell of itself. And I'm going to lay another 50 croutons on that. All right. I, um, so I like your, your under on that game. I think that's a pretty good lock. Uh, I would say you're under on the, is it under 55? You said. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, one. under that 55. Cool. That's a solid bet right there. That All right, it. so you said you had some uh, – so I'm a professor, and I give quizzes. Not, not I don't normally take quizzes uh, these days, uh, but I am prepared to take your quiz. What is it that you'd uh, like to quiz me on here? So this um, this particular quiz this weekend, I invite you to throw one at me anytime you're ready, Professor. I'm all about quizzes and lists and all that type of thing. I think that's what makes this so much fun. But this is going to be Guess the Stat Leader, and I've got five different categories, and I'm going to have you guess okay. the stat leader. Okay. Who is the stat leader for receiving in the NFL? So, right are now? you talking about yards? Okay, yes. stat leader for yards in the NFL. No, I, no I looking don't have, on Google I've, I've as we're talking about. It's on the uh, Anchor app, I, I don't have anything but a paper in front of me that says nothing but a bunch of stuff we already talked about. So, I don't uh, have anything in front of me. But I am, as you can tell, stalling for time to think uh, and see if I can get this one right. So we're talking about yards receiving. Is it Calvin Ridley? No, it's not. He is fifth on the list. DeAndre Hopkins is right now the stat leader in receiving yards and 528 for the, um, for the leader. Okay, so my next one is going to be, who do you think has the most sacks of all defensive players right now? Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to think of the defenses that are putting up a lot of uh, sack numbers. Um, and whew, um, teams that have been good defensively, maybe getting after the quarterback. Um, this is a stat I don't pay attention to very much, so I'm going to be probably way off on this. Um, let me say, is it, oh, looking at the, uh, 
don't even have a good guess. This is a tough one. Is this somebody that I would maybe guess or? Yeah, you, you know, as soon as you hear the answer, you're gonna be okay. like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Um... And this is turning out to be a really terrible segment brought to you by the uh, mayor here on the SIF well, podcast. Let's and I just do go to it. I don't even know. I can't even throw a name at you that I think would be in the top. Okay, Aaron Donald right now has seven and a half okay, yeah, sacks on the season, which is, which is actually keeping him ahead of pace of Michael Strahan's fraudulent 22 sacks oh, see, for an NFL season. Flop. Yeah. Yes. So very quickly, who is the passing leader right so now total, in the uh, league? Passing yards. Is it total is passing it yards? Allen? No, still, it's actually Dak Prescott. <laughs> and, and and in fact, Dak Prescott is almost three hundred and fifty yards ahead of Josh Allen, who is number two. So he could very well still be the passing leader in the league after That's this week crazy. passes and. He's not. He's not even going to be playing Josh, football. So I thought Josh Allen it's a was shame. close enough to him that you know playing a full game that like and and uh, this past week I thought maybe Josh Allen would catch him, but of course they missed a week, so that makes sense. Um, all right, what's your next category? And, and who is the rushing leader for most yards? So I'm going to be right off now. on this one, but I know this guy is up there for the t- time that he's played. I'm going to guess Mike Davis. Mike Davis is not even in the top five. Uh, Dalvin Cook is number one with 489 yards, followed back behind Josh Jacobs with 377. So Dalvin Cook has got himself a little bit of a lead right now at that rushing title. All right. Um, I got a question for you. Uh, okay. He's Claypool, and is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Case Claypool, you know, he, what, what you don't know about Case Claypool is this in, um, in high school, he was actually a chess champion and he is going into the world, um, the hall of fame of chess. <laughs> no, he's a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers and he scored four touchdowns this week. So, uh, that just goes to show you, we can never get these things right. Uh, um, when we're trying to pick. Uh, the NFL sleepers and such. Uh, Chase Claypool, not that he was a completely unknown player. He did play for Notre Dame, but he was not um, on anybody's radar. But he is a huge, uh, huge man. He is uh, like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he was like 245 at the Combine. People thought he was going to uh, switch to tight end, but he lost a bunch of weight. And um, he just dominated the, uh, the Eagles secondary, which um, I'm not saying that's a huge accomplishment, but um, four touchdowns in one game uh, doesn't happen very often, so I thought I'd mention it. All right, well, I didn't do well on the quiz. Um, I'm going to ask if I can uh, do a makeup quiz or some kind of extra credit assignment. Maybe I can make some points back up, but um, but uh, that was fun. It was fun for me to sit here and try to think of uh, things like that. Um, anything else this week that we haven't already covered? No, I think we've um, had a, a week. We covered everything. Our normal, our normal crouton bets, courtesy of Caesars, and a couple other things. DraftKings has always been a great sponsor for us. You know, leading us in our daily fantasy 
And we, I think it's been a great week in football, and this season is just starting to yeah, get more interesting. Yeah, it's chugging along, and we can only hope that, um, you know, there aren't more of these uh, COVID problems. But um, I think they're going to get it done no matter what. Um, I just hope that they do it the right way. Um, somebody suggested that they do, now that the NBA is done with the Orlando bubble, that the NFL come to Orlando and do their own bubble. Of course, not feasible with all of the personnel and everything, but um, they could maybe do a bubble playoff. What do you think about the NFL doing a bubble playoff? Yeah, I I think they're going to – I think they're definitely going to consider something like that, you know, because, I mean, mean, just think about an area like, uh, you know, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You know, there's three or four football stadiums, colleges, and pro teams where you could you could legitimately host a, a thing like that, and the Super Bowl is an entity of itself. You know, I think we're going to have fans this year at the Super Bowl. It's just one of those unfortunate things where there's going to be limited fans, um, and so it's going to be just really really different. I think that you know they're going to do whatever they can to make sure that the the season goes and you know i think that's what everybody wants to see and plus every, if you, you had know, to fans guess will. so we're just assuming there's enough facilities if you had to guess and they're going to do this bubble do you think it'll be dallas do you think it'll be las vegas or do you think they'll try it in orlando the worldwide uh, disney's wide world of sports has um about seven fields out there and they could legitimately play games out there um and then there's um camping world stadium uh which is where they played the pro bowl a few times and then of course ucf has a stadium um they could feasibly do it in orlando and it would be close to tampa where the super bowl will be held but what do you think about um the playoff bubble where do you think it'll be located yeah you know i think orlando makes a lot of sense for um logistical reasons you know just with all the available hotels and all the things that, you know, they are very unique to the area. Um, I don't see loss. I don't see it happen in Las Vegas. I don't think the facilities are necessarily there. The, to be able to have practice facilities, footballs. I, I think it, it, you know, there's a lot of things that are going to, they're really starting to probably plan out in the back, you know, in the back of their mind and have plan B, plan C ready to go. But, you know, I think Orlando is a so very strong Jerry possibility as well. no expense to have a bubble playoff in Dallas, in the Dallas area. Um, but I think that Orlando makes sense, actually, if they do that, because they do have experience. I mean, they could u- lean on the NBA model uh, for doing that um, here um, in Orlando. So I, I think it's possible that, uh, that Orlando could be the uh, NFL playoff bubble, just like it was the NBA playoff. All right, everybody, that was the SIFT football podcast for this week. And we look forward to the week six NFL games. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'd like to thank the mayor for listening. And we will definitely talk to you next week.